It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling brother welcome everyone to reliving the war it is the podcast where we do exactly what it says on the tin and relive the monday night wars between wwf and wcw it's exclusive here on the gray wolf entertainment network my name is nims Azor, joined as always by my tag team partner simon tackler and simon we're into would you say that this is wcw's marquee show uh, I think in some ways, Bash at the Beach became one of their biggest shows. And we are in, you could argue, both the peak and the decline of WCW <laughs> right now. It's a, it's a very weird thing where the snake is sort of eating its tail just a little bit. But hell, it's a hell of a journey. And as always, when we do a WCW pay-per-view, we put a little subtitle on reliving the war to living the war for the first time. When we invite our man himself... The one and only digital beard, Melbourne's best uh, uh, photographer that you will get, Owen Jones. Owen, welcome, and apologies first off for making you sit through Bash at the Beach 1998, but uh, what do you think, man? Hello, friends. Um, no, it's okay. Um, I appreciate it. Um, you know what? I'm, 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 I've been used to it now, and then knowing what we're getting into with the last two and a half years of WCW coming up. I know what's going to happen, and I know I don't like it. So, but I've watched, already watched bits and pieces of the sort of two thousands WCW. So I'm just priming myself and making sure that once we hit it in 2024, <laughs> um, oh. uh, that uh, that I know what I'm in for. But um, tell you what. so what we're in we're in July July 1998, mm-hmm. which means I think. I think I'm two months away from breaking my leg in, in real life. Um, not long after, yeah, oh, yeah, 1998 broke my leg. My brother and sister were, there was a slide near my old house. Um, like there was, the stairs went up and then like the slide, up one side and the slide was obviously on the other side. And they would run up the stairs and they had these big rails on the side of the, on the side of the um, stairs, obviously, handrails. And they wrap their arms around the handrails and slide down the the handrails like with like under their arms. But they were at the time six and eight, you know, fully formed brains. I was nearly three, and I just jumped. <laughs> now I'm pretty sure you, you jump like Randy Macho Man Savage off that cage. <laughs> I did, I did, I did, and I just jumped and I landed on my leg and it was a Friday afternoon. We walked all the way up to the Reservoir Doctors and the doctor was like, nah, it's just a sprained ankle. Woke up the next morning, my leg is black. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened to Randy Savage and he continued working more pay-per-views. Yeah, and then I was in a cast for my third birthday (laughs) and I was in a cast for like three months because obviously this is before the time of those those new fandangled leg braces and stuff. So proper old school cast for my third birthday. So you really missed out on the uh, cowboy Bob Orton gimmick. You should have just made that your thing for the rest of your life. (laughs) 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 So maybe one in hindsight that's uh, probably a good thing because it's a lot easier to to have a gimmick arm than a gimmick leg. But uh, yeah, so that was, so that's my little history of digital beard. Um, (laughs) But speaking of, I'm well, I'm really excited about this this intro video. Oh yes, let's get into this because you want to talk about 1998. I was going to say, were we, time. were we watching wrestling or a sitcom? Because <laughs> it was like Goldberg, and then like flashy intro graphics, and it was like Conan, flashy intro gimmick. I'm like, 
Is this like the really late run of Boy Meets World or is this WCW? Yeah. It, it, when you when all of a sudden you put this next to say the intro to Malcolm in the Middle, um, <laughs> it's it's there's a very very um, slight uh, there's a we'll put it this way there's a very big Venn diagram overlap. But let's get into this because well, I know Simon. Well, was it on Brett um, in the intro of Malcolm in the Middle? There's Brett Brett and uh, Brett and Goldberg. Brett and Chris ben, nah, Brett oh, Brett Benoit. 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 Hmm. My apologies from the Owen Hart tribute match in '99. Uh, yes. where he's trying to put him in the sharpshooter. Um, but let, let's actually talk about this, because we often, I know we keep going on and on about these stupid video packages, but 1998 WCW always takes like a step back when they try to go forward. And what did you think of this one, son? Because they did their best to be edgy, but it just came off looking, I don't know, poor. I thought the same thing. This felt like a step backwards. WWE is somehow getting better, better and these are somehow getting worse it was just sepia tone footage of the wrestlers with the voiceover, not explaining the story, literally just introducing you to the cast, like Owen said, like a TV show, just saying Goldberg, yeah. Dennis Rodman. <laughs> and it had futuristic surf rock. It was really weird. It was like, you know, if there was a, a reboot of Miami Vice, but like mm. Miami Vice 2000 and it had futuristic yeah. music. It was so bad. Yet they still managed to keep that Hootie and the Blowfish font. One thing that I will applaud WCW on, their pay-per-view sets are top-notch. Yeah. Yeah. I love oh, yeah. this. I've always just- liked the Bash of the Beach one, especially when it's used further in the in the show with um, between Jericho and Mystery Opponent. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the local talent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I love the beach theme, commentary theme. Uh, it was a, it's a, this is the thing too. This entire paper was sold around the main event, which is Carl Malone and DDP versus um, Dennis Rodman and Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Now, to put it into perspective, this is actually a very, very big match. This was literally right after the 1998 NBA Finals when the Bulls took on the Utah Jazz. So this is very topical. Like, you want to talk about getting finger on the pulse. Mm. WCW couldn't have done it anymore. And this is Jordan's last season. He's just retired. Mm-hmm. Um, White hot the dr- balls out the, at the moment. The dream team's over. Mm. This is Because obviously, what was it in 2020 when the world went crazy over the Bulls because of um, the last dance? This was the season they were talking about, 1998. Jordan was done. All their contracts were finished. They were all going to leave the Bulls, and they all did after this. Yep. They beat the Jazz by one point in game six. Oh, so this is a Have you watched the series? It's such a good series. And, and, no one, and, and no one put the stipulation that you get all the NBA rings uh, if you whoever wins the end, the <laughs> final match. But um, uh, let, let's get into the, uh, the pay-per-view. Before we get to our first match, there is a mean gene spot, and I was disappointed that he wasn't wearing a Hawaiian shirt. But <laughs> He looked on. like Frank Sinatra, and he bought back the hotline, baby. <laughs> it's back! The hotline was back, and it was even back for our friends in Canada as well. But we get to Ooh, so sorry, Nims. But I crunched the numbers because I'm a stats man. We all know this. So mm-hmm. it was a so because it was it was a dollar sixty nine in the US. Mm-hmm. It was one ninety. It was one ninety nine per minute in Canada. Which is, if my maths and my percentages are correct, one dollar ninety nine in nineteen ninety eight in Canada. In Australian money today, on the eleventh of August, is four dollars and four cents. You better be getting a hell of a scoop from me and Gene if you're paying that much. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm saying. Uh, we get to the first match, which is Saturn versus Raven. This is a Raven's Rules match. Now, first thing off the bat I noticed was, is this Raven's WWF theme that they've overdubbed? Yeah, this was the first time we've heard that. What music were they using before this? I don't know. It but- was... It was- it was a ripoff of something, no doubt. Well, his real WCW entrance music was a ripoff of, um, God, it wasn't even flow by Pearl Jam. No, no, that, that that was Jericho. That's right, and that's what was always funny because Raven's finisher was the even flow, but even flow the song was given to Chris Jericho. Mm. Well, this this seems like the time to uh, to 
call in uh, the help of our friend Mikey J, but we might do that in the uh, podcast notes. But uh, yeah, look, <laughs> Raven's, Raven's WWF theme uh, is overdubbed in his entrance. But uh, I could sorry, tell you right it was now, a the- rip off of "Come As You Are" by Nirvana. Oh yeah. Jeez, Nirvana really got boned by a WCW <laughs> so specifically Jimmy Hart here. But um, um, so yeah, the action starts on the outside, and this is peak Perry Satin. You can take into account his run with the revolution later in WW uh in WCW, his early days with the flock, um, even his work in ECW as the part of the pitbulls and taking the WWF as part of the radicals. I reckon you don't get a hottest satin over with the crowd and more relevant on the card than you do in this match right now. I will argue that by saying, I know what you're saying and you're correct to this point right now, but they have a better match than this. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because I know they do because I've seen it. It was on Vintage Collection back on Fox 8. I remember being shocked at how good it is. It's not this one, but this wasn't bad. And I will say, this is the first time we've seen Saturn wear wrestling trunks. In yes, because he usually wears those little Daisy Dukes. Yeah, the Daisy yeah. Dukes. He looks good as a wrestler. Like, Spe- I, oh, I can see why yeah. they expected more from him. He Speaking like of apparel, was, was Raven wearing a Suicidal Tendencies shirt? I couldn't get a good view of it. That's what I'm I fairly it certain it was, a, it was a Tendencies shirt. Mm. Yeah, I think you might be on the money there. But um, now, at least like I said, like the crowd is absolutely bonkers for Perry Satin and Raven. This feud is a real sort of blood feud. Uh, one thing that I do have to highlight is Tony Schiavone at one point in time calls a table a chair and then gets relentlessly crapped <laughs> on by Bobby Heenan and Mike Tanay. Uh, but it's, it's yeah. a hell of a match. Uh, considering the fact that normally Raven's rules matches are garbage, there's actually yeah. a fair bit of... Um, psychology and uh, good ring work in here yeah i really i really liked it but but as we're speaking of tables we have to talk about the table spot because i screamed i'm surprised my new neighbors didn't think someone was being murdered because i've never seen that before and because the spot is raven's on a table like like you know laid on a table on the outside of the on, on on the outside then satin puts another table like set up on top of on top of Raven, and I'm assuming the plan is off the top rope, elbow drop, all good. But Chris Canyon comes running out, and I'm assuming the spot was always going to be the you know your usual crash and burn spot. Satin jumps off, he gets whipped out from underneath the table. Satin crashes both through both tables. That didn't happen. <laughs> uh, it it did seem and I hate to sound like botchamania but it did make it seem even stupider because I'm assuming what was meant to happen was Canyon was meant to run out and as Saturn was meant to take out Raven he was meant to pull yep. Raven off the table but the uh, usual crash and burn but not this time <laughs> but instead he ran out much too early pulled Raven off the table and Perry Saturn's like well I guess I'm doing this <laughs> he just jumped <laughs> he just jumped and the worst thing the worst thing was the top table, like it didn't even really break. It kind of slipped and snapped a bit. And then he just face planted the, the bottom table, which didn't break at all. It was disastrous. And I giggled. I'm glad yeah. you guys recapped it because I just wrote dumbest spot ever. And then I was going <laughs> to just recite it from memory. Although we got to say this follows up the previous spot just before it, which was also hilarious. The flock the runs poetry. in, Saturn mm. fights them off. He then springboards off a chair and kicks Nick Patrick, who yep. oh, explaining it in words sell. doesn't do it justice. Well, yeah, he does well, the what he does one is, of the best. Yeah. Nick Patrick, put your hands in the air and wave them like you don't care, <laughs> and he just falls to the side. And it's yeah, amazing. So it's awesome because, like, if you're wondering what the spot is, imagine poetry in motion, but replace Matt Hardy with a chair. Uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's really good but like yeah like he literally puts his hands up and it's like it's like it's like it's literally like and poochie went far far away yeah like he just went and just like mm. fell it was just so good it's almost as good as, it's almost as good as that ref cell that I, I found on twitter one time where ref cops a suit was like it was like in the mid 80s ref cops a super kick hits the top rope Falls, bounces off the second rope, falls, bounces off the, off the bottom rope, and then does a flat back on the floor. 
Yeah. Um, Almost Nick, as good as that one. Nick Patrick is very much hip hop hooray, ho, yeah, <laughs> as he exactly. takes the bump. Yeah. <laughs> um, eventually, Raven wins with the Even Flow DDT. Oh. This is a hell of a match to uh, to start us off. Yeah, yeah, Canyon comes in, does a flatliner too. I should point that out too, because uh, the, the story they're trying to sell is he wants to be the one that takes out uh, Raven because he hates oh, Raven. Can we also appreciate the, the, the DVD that Saturn does to Scotty Riggs? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Just snaps him in half. Hell of a drive. In fact, this show is good for Death Valley drivers. Any form of driver variation, very good show for it. Um, we then get to our next, after Raven gets the pin, Mean Gene Oakland is there with Eddie Guerrero. They were doing a promo. And I think the direction that was given to Eddie Guerrero is just sell how crazy Chavo is, how wacko he is, because... If you were if you were choosing to have a beverage every time Wacko was said, you'd be on the floor. <laughs> yep, you'd be lot, you'd be laid out. I, I wrote this. In, I wrote this in my. And I, you know, I like to be the funny guy, fun guy. But I've written here. Eddie's facial expressions are so mesmerizing, and it actually adds a lot of more emotion to the promo than probably should be. Because like his facial, and because it was a really close shot on his face as well. But like his his facial expressions were so good. Because it kind of like conveyed some concern for like how Chavo's like wha- like craziness is gone, He's but wacko. also the- yeah, but like it was like more like from like it was it was a lot of emotion there, but then like it was also anger, and I was mm. yeah, it was a really good promo for like a normal for like a, for like a mean gene on the on the ramp promo, very good. And that's what yeah. Eddie Guerrero was so good at. In the hands of anyone else, this would have been some real cheesy, corny dialogue and you wouldn't even buy into it it would be real meta and you'd be like "Uh, i'm watching dumb wrestling he did the same thing in his feud with ray mysterio for the custody of dominic that is Mm. the dumbest storyline ever but it's also one of the best because eddie guerrero is a shockingly good actor this promo is the next step to continuing how good he becomes and confident on the mic compared to what we heard like a year ago the charisma is coming out, but it's still weird to me hearing WCW Eddie, where he doesn't put on the fake Mexican yeah. accent. Yeah, it's yeah. so weird because he's just talking like a normal, just, like know, a American. Texan. Yeah, yeah, just like a Texan. dude from El Paso. That's yeah, all, yeah. all he is. As you guys know, and as if people follow me on Twitter, I've been doing a rewatch of to the 2004 paper like WWE pay per views, and the promo that Eddie cuts on Benoit at Mania, at backstage at Mania really got me i was sitting in the couch going <laughs> like trying to like suck it in i'm like yeah what a promo like he yeah. was he was really good it he was goes so on good. a tear like those couple of months the promo he does in the ring with brock lesnar in the lead up to their match yep. where brock lesnar talks about you know you're not fighting the odds eddie you're fighting me and eddie gets fired up and talks about how he's overcome everything and then the one with Benoit at Mania, like Eddie Guerrero becomes one of the best ever. And you're seeing it here with this promo. Yeah. Mm. It's such a shame that like, um, because later on towards like 99, he has a car accident that really derails all his momentum, uh, which is a bit of a shame, but we'll get to that when we get to that one. Um, it, next up, it is Kidman versus Hoovertude Guerrero. Uh, one that Simon and I will obviously pop at. Did you know, notice, Simon, that Kidman is wearing his WCW NWO revenge gear? <laughs> he is. <laughs> the old with the, the Kidman logo on it. What did it say on the back? Oh, well, I think it was like seven-year rich or whatever, you know. One yeah, of- yeah. Uh, now, but- the, um, we, we, we mentioned that, like, obviously, WCW likes ripping off bands. And obviously, with the Raven Swock, they would like, you're a grunge band. Europe grunge band will rip off all your songs. I really, I never noticed that that Billy Kidman's um Angels music is just a straight rip off of Ellie, every Alice in Chains song from like Wood onwards. <laughs> that's because his, there was so much Alice in Chains in that Angels. Yeah, yeah. He's just he, he's just Alice in Chains fanboy. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite things about this was uh, the opening line is like Mexican fans are coming out in droves as the one Latino fan in an NWO shirt is focused on camera. Um, but, was um, he the guy the, with the sign that said, I beat Goldberg in Mexico? Because that was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now, the thing that I found amusing was the commentators, uh, like I brought up how it's Kidman's WCW NWO revenge gear, but the commentators are even discussing Kidman's new attire. Like they're talking about how like, you know, his shirt's tucked in now. There's no, it's not that Swiss cheese shirt that he was wearing. 
uh, which is pretty cool. Juventud Guerrero, as always, is the most beautiful app- man in professional wrestling. <laughs> yes, he is. But like, he's on an absolute tear at the moment, uh, especially after being unmasked. But um, the thing that I enjoyed about this one is it's a different style of cruiserweight match to what we're normally used to in WCW. But did you also notice that Tony Schiavone seems to be really struggling with calling some of the moves as well? Was everything a sidewalk slam? I kind of zoned him out, to be honest. Yeah, everything is like he's he's just making up stuff at the moment. There's a part where um where um Billy Kidman does the BK bomb, which I forgot that he used to do. Mm. Like it's it's basically like that big spine buster thing that he always does, it's like, like um, the sky high. Yeah, yeah, and. And it's just like every time that would happen, there's even a part where there's a shoulder block that's done off the top rope. And they're, they're arguing over like, was that a shoulder? Was that a charge or was that a clothesline? Was <sighs> that like, it just seemed like they were off their game. And that's the only thing that took me away from this match because it was absolutely fantastic. And oh, and we know that you know, you're, a, you're a massive Hoovertude fan, but this is probably the first time that we've seen Kidman actually do something rather than scratch his chest about 70 times. Yeah. I've, I've, I don't really have that many notes. Like my two notes for the actual match and that aren't gushing over how beautiful Hoovy is, um, <laughs> is this is peak cruiserweight wrestling. Mm-hmm. And mm. <laughs> at the end, when that was a really great match, like, cause this match was so good. It was like, as I said, it was, it was like peak 98 cruiserweights. Billy Kidman finally gets to shine. Hoovy, as you said, is on a tear right now. Mm-hmm. Ever since he dropped the mask, he's just been on fire on top of the division. So, like, when this match popped up, I'm like, oh, this is going to be nothing but good. And I was very much right because this match was great. I loved everything about it. Yeah, I think to me, when I think of the Cruiserweights and what we've watched back, Ray and Dean Malenko carried it for the first couple of years. Kidman and Hoovy take it from there. This is high-quality cruiserweight wrestling. And look, no offense, I know we all kind of love him because it's fun, you know, there's like nostalgia. But all the matches with psychosis that we've seen, looking (laughs) back, is not that good. You know, everything's real sloppy. It's kind of shit. Cyclope and Super Calo and... Don't you dare say anything (laughs) about about Silver King. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like we've seen so many of their matches and they kind of all just fall apart. This still stands up 20 whatever mm. years later. Like, this was very, very good. And it's also the, the the peak, I reckon, because it sort of goes downhill after this because then Jericho and everyone, like the stalwarts that you mentioned, like Mysterio sort of gets moved away from the Cruiserweight division and you're left with your Alex Wrights and Kui your Wee. Pace. Yeah. Lodi, they even try to give a push with Lodi when, when they form the West Hollywood Blondes. So, yeah, you're right. We're really seeing the second dawn of the WCW Cruiserweights. But uh, there's a Hoovy driver into a BK bomb, followed by a shooting star press, a shooting star press which is called the seven-year itch that Mike Tanay is doing his darndest to try and get over as a name. Mm. But let's face it, it's not going to work. Um, but it's a 450 from um, for the win from Hoover Ted Guerrero in an absolute belter of a match. Uh, we get to our next little segment, which is the internet spot. And you got to love these, especially after we've seen how well the WWF did it last month, Simon. Conan uh, on the internet table with Lee Marshall. Are there any words for this? Nah, I've got nothing. Uh, I thought Conan just shutting down poor Lee Marshall, who's trying to play along with him. And Conan's a face at this point, so he should play along. Uh, Lee Marshall's like, oh, I got this shirt from whatever. Like he named some local shop in San Diego and Conan's like, no, I've never heard of that. And just like rolled <laughs> through it. And I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah. And, th- and then Lee Marshall was like, yeah, I got this hat from Sanchez, the hatter. I'm like, that's right. Yeah. Be, are we being like, are we like being slightly racist now? Or are we just hmm. like, you know, name people? <laughs> but- I think he was legitimately trying to, to you know, have something in common with Conan. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Lee Marshall's shirt was fantastic. Very colourful. Uh, absolute and, disrespect and there from the, my Conan. The triple lay was very good as well. <laughs> um, look, we, we'll get to our next match, which is Stevie Ray versus Chavo Guerrero. Now, Stevie Ray doesn't quite look in optimum condition, if I'm, if I'm being quite honest here. Uh, Chavo is out uh, with a floaty and carrying a super circuit because he's wacko. It's wacko Chavo. 
Uh, he dedicates this match to Eddie Guerrero. And um, Simon, I'll hand this one over to you because this is... I was actually generally very entertained by this quote-unquote match. I thought it was great. So we should have explained. So it's Chavo versus Eddie in a hair versus hair match. But before that, Chavo has to wrestle Stevie Ray. I think this is Chavo Guerrero's best gimmick that he ever Mm -hmm. did in his career. Crazy Chavo. This was brilliant. Chavo gets in there with Stevie Ray, who's three times the size of him. Chavo goes for a handshake and Stevie Ray's like, oh, what the hell? The second they shake hands, Chavo taps out. So Eddie's plan of Stevie Ray softening him up, softening Chavo up, he's outsmarted by Chavo, who taps out and then he says, oh, oh well, now it's time to wrestle Eddie. I thought it was brilliant. Very, very good match. Uh, and it, and it, it just shows that there is a spot. And Chavo had just as much uh, charisma as uh, Eddie Guerrero did. We then get into also, the Also, was this Stevie Ray's best singles match ever in his career? I think it might be, honestly. <laughs> I think it, I, I'm pretty sure Chavo still carried him <laughs> with that handshake. Um, we'll get to the Eddie Guerrero versus Chavo Guerrero match. There is a fair bit of uh, theatrics to start off the match, including a part where Chavo bites Eddie on the ass, uh, <laughs> which is a sentence that I wasn't expecting. I don't think Dave Meltzer would uh, have expected in his recap, but Owen, what do you think of this one? Well, that ass biting is also soundtracked by one of probably Keenan's more questionable lines of commentary I've ever heard, where he goes, the whole Guerrero family is watching this and hopefully the repo man doesn't get their TV set. (laughs) Like, oh my Lord. (laughs) Come on, man. 98 was a different year. I know oh, we keep it saying a, it, but man, it was a it was different, different universe, my friend. <laughs> then it descended but, into Brain and Tanay. They were on fire here. They both had it in for Tony on the show, which I'll uh, give Tanay yeah. credit. I'm now on Team Tanay. Yep, thank you. Tanay and Brain just lay into Tony because Brain's like, oh, have you ever bit anybody on the butt, Tony? <laughs> and Tony just won't play along. And Tanae and Brain are like, oh, come on. What's that kind of answer? You know, it was great. But um, I, I also, I like the, um, when they zoomed in on the, on the hair clippers, all you saw was, um, was David Penson's cummerbund, which is the greatest mm. color, of, which is just beautiful. <laughs> um, but, I also like the fact, and also again, Simon. I think I'm, I think I'm teetering on on the side of Team Mike today, which I must check myself if I've got a fever <laughs> or anything. But um, Mike today name checked my favorite wrestling match of all time, which was the two out of three falls hair versus mask match at the 1994 Clash of the um, uh, the War of the Worlds between Art by Eddie Guerrero versus um, Octagon and Del Hijo del, San- El- El Hijo del Santo. Have you guys seen that match, by the way? Uh, as Bobby the Brain Heenan would say, how does he know this stuff? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my favorite match of all time, because that match is how you wrestle. That match is incredible. Um, and I, I popped for it. I was like typing notes away. And then Tanae mentioned it. He's like, because he was like, you know, um, Eddie, Eddie's no stranger to a hair versus hair match. He had one at War of the Worlds in 94. I'm like, that's my favorite match. So, um, but yeah, that match is sick. I implore everyone to go watch it. You can find it on YouTube. It's amazing. Um, but the storytelling in this match was great. As I, I agree with you, Simon, it's probably the best Chavo we see for a while. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's ca- Look, I'll say Chavo's character work in this match was awesome. Eddie Guerrero's performance was awesome. To me, there's still something missing. I don't know what I'm expecting when these two wrestle, but it just feels like, I don't know, maybe maybe in my head they have this seven-star match that never existed. <laughs> I don't know. Look, uh, at the end of it, um, Eddie, Eddie gets the... Uh, there's, there's some great moves busted out here. There's a gory special going and done here, but um, Eddie gets the win, but Chavo then takes the clippers off him and then takes a chunk out of his own hair and sort of shaves himself because oh, he so is weird. all in on the mm. crazy gimmick. Now, Eddie looks absolutely disgusted at Chavo, but the crowd is so behind Chavo Guerrero at the moment. Like, you are spot on, Simon. This is peak Chavo Guerrero. Yeah, from generic Chavo that we saw a couple of years ago to this, man, Chavo Guerrero was fantastic here. Eddie does a lot to sell it as well. 
And uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch more because I forgot about this Chavo. And of course, the next step will be uh, Pepe the horse. Pepe? Yep. So we'll get there as well. <laughs> I, I forgot it. I'm excited to see it again. Which is immortalized in the WCW Thunder video game. But we go back to the commentary desk uh, it's, and it's a hell of a stop down because they recap Malenko and Jericho's feud. We'll then get to um, the next bit, which is Disco Inferno and Alex Wright taking on Conan. There is a, it's a fantastic disco ball entrance for Conan here. For, for <laughs> Disco Inferno? Yeah, for, for Disco Inferno's entrance, you know, where it's just like yeah, yeah. Gets the spinning. Di- that's, I popped at that, but my, Did- my favorite other part of that was like, residing in Funky Town. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, I, I rewound it because I loved it so much. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, he now <laughs> resides in Funky Town. Best ring introduction ever. Like he lives um, in Funky Town. So good. I pop for it. It was just so good. Uh, Disco Inferno comes comes out uh, with Alex Wright in tow. Uh, they would, of course, famously go on later to be the Boogie Knights in uh, late two thousands. Knights WCW. with a K. A great tag team name to be on. <laughs> Didn't like, they mention good. that though? I thought they mentioned that in this part in this segment. I thought they oh, said the Boogie they Knights. Were the Boogie Knights? No, no, no. Okay. They they weren't the Boogie Knights, and they were just a tag team that liked to dance. But they're the. I Boogie thought they Knights. mentioned the words Boogie Knights, though. Maybe I'm just imagining things, but I don't think they did. Uh, but they might have. Uh, um, Alex Wright does a promo in German, and then they do a <laughs> in in 2022 a very racist uh, Conan imitation, and. I'm not actually sure if Alex Wright is taking the piss here because he looks all in on it. I don't know. They were just repeating what Conan says, so maybe it was fine. Can we just say, though, we've talked a lot of crap about Conan. This is easily the biggest pop Conan's ever got in his life. Joining yeah. the Wolfpack is an absolute game changer for him. The only reason the pop, the only reason the pop was big, though, because it, it was the Wolfpack music, but as soon as he walked out, it died. Yeah. Oh, it was it was mega though, because he comes out to a huge pop. Nash and Luger's there with him. Well, that's uh, who I got love... the pop though. Let's not oh, play. Yeah. It's Nash and Lex Luger. I love I pop for the Fubu shirt. <laughs> oh, did I pop for the Because I was a I my, my in the uh, in the early in the late night in the early thousands, my brother was a Dardai guy and I was a Fubu guy. Oh, dude. All I can say is, like, only Kevin Nash is the only person that could rock up to a probably the second biggest show on WCW's pay per card. Like, he's ready for Tuesday night social basketball. Um, <laughs> my, my favorite thing, too, is they focus on an Odelay sign in the crowd. So that's either someone that can't spell Oralay or they're a very big fan of Beck. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just clocked the 90s and the 90s theme podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but look, unfortunately, all of that is the highlights because this is a garbage match. Oh, so I have no notes. Well, the I match, literally don't have no. The match doesn't matter, but I thought as a segment, <laughs> it was a lot of fun because we got Conan, we got Disco, we got 40-year-old Kevin Nash, white guy, <laughs> getting over by saying, I'm not a player, I just crush a lot, and quoting Big Pun. <laughs> and the crowd's like, yeah, we love this. Like, it's just <laughs> the, the fact that these guys got any of this over is amazing. You know, and Conan saying, you know, like it's become his catchphrase now. He's bowdy, bowdy and rowdy, rowdy. Rowdy, rowdy. As yep. a kid, I didn't realize he was saying bowed it, bowed it. I literally just thought he was saying bowdy, just some word that rhymed with I, rowdy. You know, I, like, was, I don't know what he was saying. I am, I am today years old because even to this day, I still th- thought it was bowdy, bowdy, rowdy, rowdy. Yeah, no, no. I, it's bowed it, bowed it, which is, but you pronounce it bowdy. Oh, come on. Come on, Conan. Bit more diction, mate. Bit more diction. Uh, look, yeah. uh, as we said, it's a bit of a garbage match. Uh, Alex Alex Wrights get, gets absolutely racked. Um, and then Nash powerbombs Disco Inferno. Conan slaps on the Tequila Sunrise. It's an it's an absolute... They treat Disco and Alex Wright like jobbers. It's the Wolfpack show, but that's what the crowd's paid their money to oh, see. And, and imagine being Conan, though. You get to ride the wave on the pops on the entrance, and even for the finishing moves. 
No one cares that you're doing the Tequila Sunrise. We know they're all <laughs> popping for the two most over moves, basically, the Jackknife and the Torture Rack. So after the uh, the little Wolfpack Jobathon, uh, as they take out the soon-to-be Boogie Nights, we then get the Giant versus Kevin Green. Now, the Giant is a heel again, and in the NWO. Remember Kevin Green? He's back yes. in, in POG form. Uh <laughs> <laughs> All I could think of when Kevin Green was there, I was just like, does he have a yearly WCW appearance contract? Because he was the Pat McAfee of 1998. Was he really? Come not, on. Not, not, he walked so he Pat McAfee could run, baby. Exactly, exactly. And let's <laughs> let's give Kevin Green credit. Last time we saw him, he just had some shaggy hair. This guy took wrestling seriously. He has Kevin Nash and Triple H level like flowing hair at this stage. He wants to be a real wrestler. Yep. Now, this is the thing. Like, the crowd is fairly indifferent, but does get into it at times. And then there is just a random Goldberg chant. Yes. But, man, all I got to say is this is just one of the most boring matches I've ever seen. I'm sure it was an easy payday for Paul White, but, man, like, you're not going to be putting this on the Kevin Green highlights package, are you? No, but I tell you what, 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 what was very easy was uh, was for Tony Schiavone to be pu- just wedging in as many football references as possible. You almost. This is one of those matches where I'm pretty sure Jr. would have an absolute conniption. <laughs> because- <laughs> He'd be running through those stats. Um, look, um, I'll be honest. This was okay in parts. It was very quick, but then it just got real boring, and all the momentum mm. died. You know. And, and, and it seems like Kevin Green can only do football-based moves, like charges, shoulder blocks, charges, shoulder blocks. So He did, he I, did hit a nice top rope forearm, though. It was like the early did. evolution of the phenomenal forearm. It was the okay <laughs> forearm. Kevin Green, innovator. <laughs> it was the somewhat good forearm. <laughs> yeah. It was the eh forearm. Yeah. <laughs> so he runs into a chokeslam for, uh, for the win to the giant, and that about... That's pretty much all he would ride home with. I don't know if yeah. Kevin Green had a... He didn't have a match in 99, did he? No, I'm actually Googling him as we speak. Uh, this might yeah. have been it. Uh, actually, Go to his no, cage match profile. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. As a result, his professional wrestling career came to an end in 98 um, because his contract for the 49ers included a step prohibiting him from wrestling, as did the Panthers the following year. So that's it. He wrestled a total of five matches, the final one being July 12, 98. So, yeah, we're pretty much done. Also, I didn't even know this. He died in 2020. He was only Ooh. 58. He died of a heart attack. Valet so. um, uh, to, what's his name? Kevin Green. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really heartfelt, Nims. That one came straight from the bottom of the heart. <laughs> <laughs> Now, whatever your name Um, is, rest in peace. uh, Probably one of the worst times to have a mental blank, but there you go. Um, (laughs) So, Nims is not reading the eulogy of my funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, see you later, Kelvin. (laughs) The old uh, greedy, the big green town. Um, so uh, we then get a second WCW internet spot. It's Kurt Henning uh, there. And I, I've got to say, he's making a hell of a lot more sense at the internet spot than Conan did. We get a recap of Jericho and Nitro baiting Dean Malenko and what caused Malenko to snap. We get a nice little Ultimo Dragon cameo, which is nice. But what's with, like, this pay-view already runs under as it is. And they're filling it with recaps from Nitro? Come on. Yeah. This they couldn't fill this show if they tried to fill the full three hours or whatever it ended up running. Last month we have two unplanned matches which padded the show out way too much. And this month we have no unplanned matches <laughs> where we could have had three. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, then we get the WCW Cruiserweight champion, Chris Jericho. He comes out uh, for a nice bit of panto with the fans since they can't see him wrestle. Now, JJ Dillon, we speak a lot about how crappy the WCW authority figures are, but JJ Dillon's one of the few 
that actually sort of has a good amount of cadence and whatnot because he comes out and apologizes to Chris Jericho for denying his fans a chance to see him wrestle and says that he's got a local talent, someone here from San Diego that's willing to wrestle, hasn't done it in a, in a while. And I love Jericho's re- reaction to it because he refers to him as an independent jabroni and a young up-and-comer. Simon, do you want to do you want to take it from here because it's it's a it's a phenomenal bit. And Jericho always talks about how, like, even though he's given limited time in WCW, he always made it the must see bits, and I can't fault that at all. Yeah, Jer- Jericho is fantastic here in a top hat. He's got a cane. He said he's going to do a soft shoe for the crowd, and you know, and then he gets slowly more confident when JJ Dillon says it's just some local guy. I'll be honest, I haven't been sold on JJ Dillon, but his um interactions with Jericho they've got great chemistry together because they're both being smug pricks to each other and just Jericho there was a great line by Jericho too where he says sure I'll take on the job to boost the buy rate (laughs) which which also doesn't make sense because the show's already on air but anyway they're in San Diego and of course now we're able to put the clues together but maybe as a kid we wouldn't have known where you know where every wrestler is from but anyway. Oh no! A, a half asleep. Oh, and two hours ago, genuinely popped when when, when this guy walked out because oh, I had no wow. idea what was going. Okay. I was like, I was like writing notes. I'm like, oh yeah, and then I hit. I'm like, oh sick. <laughs> yeah, Rey Mysterio comes out, and honestly, I was about to say it, but then the commentary team did. Tanae said he's got a new and improved physique. Mm. Yeah. Rey Mysterio <laughs> was looking jacked. You know what that Not new physique WWE was, Simon? 2002, Jack, but he's getting No, there. but you know what that new physique was, Simon? A 10 out of 10 on the Hulk Hogan scale, oh, a yeah, tan yeah. scale. My Lord, man. our boy was a leather handbag. Ray was looking he, fantastic. Slightly offensive. <laughs> he, he, he's got, a, and, and he literally makes, you, it's almost like Chris Jericho is so pale next to him. You can see like Jericho's organs. That's how <laughs> through his skin. That's how pale he looks. But um, they, it, it's a hell of it's a bit sloppy uh, to start off on Ray. But he has been on the shelf for six months. But they head to the stage, and Tony Schiavone tries to sell the devastation of sand. <laughs> it gets in everywhere. <laughs> he did this last. He did this last year at Bash on the Beach too. You're right. He did. I think we all had notes on how he was. He went on a massive sand ran, and then at um, oh, at uh, at Stampede the other week, the other month, he talked about hay bales. How the hay bale (laughs) will like stick into your skin and like make it itchy and hurt. Oh man, he'd be the most boring dad. Imagine. Maybe he has sensitive skin. Maybe (laughs) just the bubble boy. This guy when he's on holiday. (laughs) Yeah. But but the, it's it's very very cool. Like this match is is pretty good. Like Jericho gets a chair to the knee, uh, but Ray fights back. Um, Jericho does. Um, they use the little what's a little lifeguard thing called? What are they called? Like them? the lifeguard tower. Yeah yeah. Like um, Ray uses that. It's 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 a great match because that's the other thing too. Jericho agreed to a no holds barred falls count anywhere match yeah. too, which is really cool. Cause he was that cocky. There's another cool spot as well, where Jericho tries to put the line tame on Ray, but can't like he really like Ray really looks like he's making it hard, like actually struggles. Like it doesn't look like they're going through a sequence young buck style. Mm. I will say with this match though, did you think the crowd wasn't into Ray Mysterio? Like you would imagine for a hometown, yeah. like it wasn't established yet how from Sandy San Diego Rey Mysterio was. Like these yep. days, it's in his theme song. The 619 is the area code. He's got it tattooed yep. on him. It's his finishing move name. Like, you know where Rey Mysterio is from. Maybe back then he wasn't the hometown hero that he would become. Well, the thing back then is like WCW had no idea how to, how to like, you know, capitalize on stuff like that. It is just like, he's young and he's Mexican. <laughs> yeah, want to be like specific. That's, yeah, that's that's basically it. But um, got to give credit to WWE for that. They turn everyone into like a hometown hero. Like we think San Antonio, we know. Oh, Shawn Michaels is from there, or you well, know, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. That's Bret Hart. You know, on on a lesser scale, like it, it popped up on Instagram today. Um, because they were in Cleveland this week, they had a video of Ms. Dolph Ziggler and Dana Brooke. Yeah. Exactly. And they mention it throughout the show too. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, just quickly before we move on, because we're talking about Jericho, um, and I'll date it because obviously it happened today. Did you guys see that Jericho came out to the Lionheart Jericho music? Yeah, he's he's sort of delving into the uh, all four costume slots <laughs> in his <laughs> AEW appearances. If he moment. if he comes if he comes out to the baby face like the nineteen ninety six to ninety eight baby face Jericho music. I will scream because that is the best Jericho entrance music. I didn't understand. I haven't watched it yet, but I, we're going on an absolute tangent now. But I didn't understand how, like, the logic of why that would even be a threat. You know, he, he never won anything as Lionheart. It's not mm. asking for anyone better. It's like saying to The Undertaker, I want the mean Mark who is hungry and young. Like, yeah. okay. Even worse anything. than that, it'd be like going, you know, I'm sick of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Bring back the ringmaster. Bring back stunning Steve because he <laughs> was young and good. Give me the rockers, Shawn Michaels, not the guy who won everything and was important. <laughs> it's so dumb. I don't care. I thought it was stupid. <laughs> it was stupid, me, but like. Give me Dean Ambrose, not John Moxley. Like, who cares? You know, you didn't do anything. But I want, I want the, I want the Dean Ambrose. I want the, uh, the John Moxley that teamed up with Sammy Callahan. CZW. <laughs> like, it doesn't. It's just nostalgia for no reason. It's not yeah, no but logic. Give me I Hunter just pop- Hurst Helmsley with his riding crop. Like, all right, <laughs> just, just, just to bring it back. Doing this because it's fun. Just to bring it back. What they need to do. What they need to do? Give me Isaac Yankum. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 he can stay away. What they need to do then uh, in AEW on Dynamite next week is then have Dean Malenko come out to interfere in a match just to really (laughs) give it full circle. He hates Lionheart. (laughs) (laughs) So, so speaking of Dean Malenko, he comes out to distract Chris Jericho, and Rey Mysterio gets the win and the cruiserweight title. Malenko and Jericho brawl to the back, and everyone goes home happy. Except uh, following the following night on Nitro, when the the title reign is overturned because Dean Malenko was suspended. Really, is that what happens? Oh, That's God. what happens. What a what a disappointment. <laughs> um, speaking of disappointments, we get to our next match where Brett the Hitman Hart, five time WWF champion, Intercontinental champion, main eventer of WrestleManias, an absolute superstar, is coming out to the NWO theme. And looks more phony inny than normal. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. I when I saw these guys come out, I thought, here we go. This surely better be decent at the very yeah. least. Like I have <laughs> high expectations. This wasn't as good as I hoped. No. no. They do have better matches <laughs> Just, though. They, yeah, I'm I'm guessing they do. It but, plays yeah. it plays further into my point. Now, I mentioned it the last few times I've been on the show regarding Bret Hart. As soon as he left WWF, he just looked old. Mm. He looked so old when he walked out. I reckon it's the glasses. The, the yeah, round the little, glasses? The little I reckon, it, I reckon it's right. the round glasses because yeah, it makes right. him look, makes his face look really, really wrinkled and old. Mm. I don't know why, but he looks really old and he doesn't want to be there. I mean, yeah, one of those things was actually, no. Both of those things were correct. Yeah. yeah. He, he basically, like, the, when he switches to the little round glasses, he just looks like an indifferent Jack John Lennon. <laughs> I was literally about to say that. He looked like a Jack John Lennon. Are we um, going to get Julie behind him just screaming out of her mind like Yoko did? Well, you see a bit of passive aggressive Julie in uh, yeah, Wrestling uh, with Shadows. Wrestling with Shadows, exactly. <laughs> uh, Can I just um, say, though, they do have a better match because I, I was convinced I remember it being better it happens on an episode of nitro and it's on the bret hart dungeon collection dvd so i did some digging around bret hart put over booker t i know we've been having fun with modern bret hart because he just craps on everyone he Mm. loved booker t he said i had the privilege of working with booker a few times both times we had really top-notch matches Obviously, he's forgetting this one. Probably yep. one of the few worth remembering in WCW, really athletic. One of the few guys that had natural-born athleticism. He was a superb athlete in every possible way. And coming from yes. Bret Hart, yeah. that's about as big that- of a compliment as you'll ever get. And and then he goes on and talks about how much he hates Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, Have now you seen a Twitter is- account? It's um, does 
does Bret Hart hate Goldberg today? And it's just a, it's just a video of Bret going, yes. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> After actually being asked in the video too. But um, <laughs> uh, so this is actually the first time that Bret and uh, Booker have gone entangled together. Now, Booker's actually got a bung knee here. Uh, I'm not sure if this is shoot or not, but yep. Um, but he still manages to do a spin a Rooney and a mm-hmm. picture perfect missile drop kick. Brett gets a DQ loss after attacking him with a chair. Um, he does the the figure four around the ring post. Now, it's the post-match shenanigans that I want to get into a little bit because Stevie Ray just saunters out to, quote-unquote, rescue Booker T at the end and then does a weird, is it a, like, is it, because at first I thought, oh, is this where he joins NWO Hollywood? But. Yeah, I, I kind of lose it in the timeline here because because every WCW pay per view <laughs> and Nitro is the same in this era. You've you've actually gone in and done a deep dive on Nitros more than I have, Simon. But most episodes of Nitro and pay per views are the same in this era. <laughs> I stopped watching at this point on my rewatch of WCW, so uh, that's gone now. When you ask me about Nitro, I've got no idea to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Once Nitro goes three hours, it is absolutely unwatchable. And you're right. That's when the show blurs together. That's mm. when I stopped watching as well. But I must say two things about this Stevie Ray run in. Looked like he just dropped the kids at baseball. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and when the ref kept yelling, come on, Stevie, that's a doctor. I just, it just sent me. <laughs> it's like, why are you staying the fact as a doctor? Yeah. Just to get, just to get, because um, Stevie was. It's just a big brag. Well, it was that, or Stevie Ray was expecting someone to be dressed like Doctor Mario in the ring. <laughs> I know what <laughs> doctors little, look like, and this isn't one of them. Yeah, with like, like the little mirror reflector <laughs> yeah. on his head. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so after the after Stevie Ray uh, comes into to help Booker T. We then get a little video package for Goldberg. It's the ratings pop match that was done at the Georgia Dome. Um, then we get to his first title defense on pay-per-view, which is versus Kurt Hennig. Now, Kurt is glistening when he comes out. He looks like he was just in the crowd at Rainbow Serpent. That's how like, <laughs> shiny the man is. He was a shiny boy. He was incredibly shiny. He looked like one of those, um, you know, those like, Remember that WWF Legends of WrestleMania game, Simon, on PlayStation 2, where they all had glistening bodies? Yeah, and everyone's jacked and shiny. He looked exactly like that. You know who he was cosplaying as? Zeus from the Disney movie Hercules. With an orange (laughs) sheen going on. Now, all I got to say is this is the Goldberg that we know and love. They've now, like, he does the entrance. He does everything. Like, would you agree with me there, Simon? Like, we've got the final form of Goldberg. I'll agree with you halfway. This is the Goldberg we know. And this is the Goldberg as a kid I hated. Mm. I'll be, like, we were discussing it on the last show. I mentioned that I remember watching this on VHS as a kid. And at a certain point, me and my brother just stopped watching the show and walked off to play outside. (laughs) I'm convinced it was this match. This match? Because this, even though I like Goldberg now as an adult, this match brought back a weird feeling in me of, I really hate this guy and I don't want to watch this. Because the Goldberg we saw a few months ago with Saturn, that was fun. It was competitive. It was over the top, hard hitting. This was just, yeah, I don't know. I know shoving it down your throat and all that, but just like, how is this a world title match? To the, to the point where um, Simon then called his brother and they went and played outside. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. While, while great but, adults. But, but the other thing is uh, Michael Buffer, uh, he's just, like, he, his intros get more and more phoned in because um, he puts the extra dressing on the intro, but calls, calls Goldberg the NWO WCW champion. Um, I was actually surprised that Kurt Hennig got as much offense in as he did. Uh, there's a bit of psychology because he focused on the knee, but it's it's the greatest hits of Goldberg too early into his career where it's just like do the spear, do the jackhammer, done, done, done. See you, mate. And we'll even give you some exit pyro on the way out. Yeah, and, and that was my issue with it because we're in the era now where the WWE has always been about having a great main event. The main event on a pay-per-view is always going to at least put in the time. But now we're seeing Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker and Mick Foley Mick and Foley, Kane yeah. just go out and kill it, even in a tag team match at Fully Loaded. They blew this match out of the water. It's not even on the same 
comparison it's not, scale. And yeah, it's yeah, not how, in the same postcode. <laughs> how, uh, yeah, when you're comparing world title to world title, like this isn't even a match. This is just a mm. waste. What about Buffer's introduction for Hennig, where he's like, this man is the self-proclaimed greatest of all time. And it's like, <laughs> you want to say perfect, don't you? But you were going to say perfect, yeah. This man considers himself to be excellent, very He's good. going through every synonym of perfect <laughs> yeah. in the, in the uh, dictionary. Um, so after this match, we then get a little video package to tease the main event. Now, this, I, again, we mentioned this before. Why is this not narrated? No voiceover, just pictures of the guys with some crappy 80s action movie music and text on the screen. And Phil, yeah. Yeah. The more I watch them, the more I like my Freddie Blassie narrated um, (laughs) Mm. heart reels. Yep, talking about the devil and God. Like, those are awesome. This sucks. Yeah. Uh, We then get to Michael Buffer, who is really, really selling this match, which is bigger than everything in the world, bigger than a championship, bigger than a final, bigger than getting a ring, all of that sort of stuff. And you know they must have paid overs for use of two ready-to-rumbles. They were really, really taking advantage of Goldberg. He mentions it in his, like, documentaries, but he was just going along with what they told him. He's Mm. the world champion, but yet in this match, they get Michael Buffett to say, this match is bigger than any title, any trophy, any championship belt. Yeah, okay. So Hogan, Hogan lost the title to Goldberg, but who is the main event? Who is in a match more important than the title? You know? Mm. Classic one thing, that I thought was, one thing that I did think was very hilarious was like, so when they come out and do the entrance, they both give each other, uh, like um, Hogan and Rodman do the two sweet sort of thing together. And you just see Brutus Beefcake in the background go to do it as well. And then he's like, Yay! <laughs> they Hogan's just got a new friend. <laughs> they just leave him hanging, which is so so hilarious to me. Now, uh, can I? Speaking of entrances, can we just appreciate the fact that can, can, I really hope the 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 cameraman who was roaming the ramp got a bit of an extra pay after getting absolutely yeeted. By Carl Malone, <laughs> like he just goes Boonk, and just like bashes him out of the way so he can slide into the ring. But also, speaking of Michael Buffer, now we we're big Michael Buffer fans on this podcast. It's very very obvious. He said the best line he's ever said and will ever say. He plans on delivering the mail like it's never been delivered before. Delivered before. That's <laughs> right. Oh my god! I that set me for a loop. I Man. this is. Best thing I've ever heard in my life. He kicked it off, and the announcers throughout this whole match tried to match him with male puns. But after about five minutes, it was evident that there's only so much you could say mm. because everything <laughs> became a variation of he really delivered that clothesline. Oh, yeah. the, the mail's coming in. Who's going to deliver it tomorrow? One of them said, like, I was like, all right, guys, just. Yeah, now now here's the thing. So Carl Malone's in full DDP cosplay here, which is kind of pretty cool. I like uh, that. And, and and to put it in perspective, this if we were doing this modern day, this would be like Steph Curry teaming with Drew McIntyre to take on Jason Tatum and Seth Rollins somewhere. Like that that's that's the level of of how yeah. crazy this match yeah. is at the time. But it also doesn't take too long before we all realize what a bad idea this was when the match actually gets underway. Look, I will say, Carl Malone looked like a wrestler. He looked amazing, very athletic. Dennis Rodman, a year earlier, what a difference a year makes because last year it was Hogan and Rodman against Luger and the Giant, and it was pretty fun. Rodman looked awesome. Rodman is absolutely off his face in this match. He's not even wearing wrestling clothes. He's wearing a Rodman T-shirt a do-rag and jeans. He falls asleep on the apron at one point. It mm. is an absolute mess. He, did he actually? Yeah, he did. This was yeah. the match. I was like, oh, this is the one. You'll notice it at one point. He puts his hand, his head on his hands on the turnbuckle and uh, takes a nap. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. And At and one point, it, he hits a shoulder block on DDP and he falls over and just crumples like a paper bag and the crowd boos. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a real 
it's a real cluster because it also because these guys aren't wrestlers too. It gets super basic, like they're doing 90, 1970s style, like you know, arm drag. It's a catch a can, you know, like <laughs> all of this kind of stuff too. But uh, eventually, Brutus Beefcake uh, gets an assist, and the win is given to Rodman and to Hollywood Hogan. NWO theme starts blaring as it normally does. Come, come along. Goes to get his heat back by then taking out Little Nate. To indifference from the crowd because they finally see through it. They know what's happening. They're not buying it. You also cut you um one of the best bits about the ending as well. So Malone hits the diamond cutter. Uh, no, sorry, or whoever DDP hits Hogan with the diamond cutter and goes for the pin. Rodman is meant to come in and break up the count. Charles Robinson literally stands up and walks over to Dennis Rodman and says, <laughs> you're meant to come in the ring now. And then Rodman walks <laughs> over and then, then Nate goes back to make the count. It is an absolute mess. And the mm. crowd, we've seen the crowd buy into so many cartoony Hogan, Savage, Luger main events. At this point in 98, they finally see through the magic. It's gone. They've gone. They've gone. Nope. It's yeah. a no from me. Thanks. Yeah. They've they've looked across the street, seen what's uh what the WWF are doing, and gone. Yeah, you know what? That actually looks a bit better than uh than this. And th- and we're taking into account like Hulk Hogan versus uh the giant in monster trucks and stuff like that too. So yeah, and Roddy they, Piper doing you know finger pokes to Hulk Hogan mm. for twenty minutes and being entertained by it. They have finally tapped out here. But yeah, post-match is where it gets a little bit interesting too because NWO Hollywood are out to celebrate at the end. The NWO music plays us out like most WC pay-per-views of the last two years. That's right, the last two years. Malone and DDP exit through the crowd. They don't quite know how to end this pay-per-view, so there's replays, then it's back to the commentary team. It's just a mess. And this, and like we said, it's not even a three-hour pay-per-view. No, clock's in at two and a half. Hulk Hogan, an absolute genius, though, of just getting the most out of his career. Obviously, he BSed his way into telling someone, no, no, I'll lose the title to Goldberg, but that means I'll win at the pay-per-view. But don't worry, the faces will still look strong because Mm. Carl Malone will celebrate at the end and hit a diamond cutter on the referee. Crowd did not care at all. Yep, yep. It, It was just an absolute shambles. And... Contrast this tag team main event to the tag team main event we saw at Fully Loaded. Oh, that might not be a five-star match or whatever, but the excitement of that match, it is chalk and cheese, especially the endings. We were saying how this was a a mess, and if you remember Fully Loaded, it was this complicated sequence that just came together perfectly. Like, the two shows are in different worlds right now. Yeah, they're in two different stratospheres. But um, look, let's get to our MVPs. We'll start off with you, Owen, since this will be probably really, uh, probably relatively fresh. Who would you say? And it's a tough one, not because there are so many to choose from, but just who? It's basically pick the less crappest uh, of of the pay per view. Uh, who would you go with? My MVP for the night, boys, is the corded hair clippers. Because I haven't seen a pair of those <laughs> in many years. I did pop for the big long extension lead and the and the, and the electric cable that ran to the uh, Clippers. No, I'm kidding. Um, oh god, it's actually really hard. It's hard it? because there's not. Say, so I'll, I'll I'll start off because uh, for me it was fairly simple because this is where my interest peaked and also died afterwards. Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero is the oh yeah, like. Yeah, there's an argument that you can say that Jericho also did a role, but Eddie's involved in more segments. Uh, Eddie and Chavo, but it's mainly Eddie that drives it. Yep. He, he's he's the lone diamond in a, in a hell of a lot of rough. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that one. Eddie, Eddie for the win. Eddie's performance and promo, and even Chavo with his match and the segment hmm. with Stevie Ray, Los Guerreros lied, cheated, and stole this pay-per-view, that's for sure. Um, Can I just say some stats? We have seen the top two most bought pay-per-views in WCW history. Number Mm -hmm. one was Starcade 97. They crapped the bet on that one. And number two was Bash at the Beach 98, and they crapped the bet on this one too. Really? So we really are on a downhill spiral now. I'm shocked. I'm looking at what the third most bought WCW pay-per-view is. 
We haven't seen it yet. Keep that in mind. We haven't seen it yet. And uh, yeah, and, and I have you, no idea. I'm looking at the matches now and I'm like, I. And you could, you could argue too, the only reason they got this pay-per-view buy is because of Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman and how oh, fresh it easy. was off uh, the NBA finals. But um, uh, before we before we wrap up, our next pay-per-view is one of the WWF big four ones, which means Owen gets a little treat and gets to watch SummerSlam 1998 with us. I've done my chores and mum and dad will <laughs> let me stay up late. Yes! <laughs> what, what a pot of gold at the end of this oh, yeah. rainbow. One of the worst pay-per-views ever to legitimately one of my favourite of all time. I can't wait for that. With one of the best sets you'll ever see in uh, 1998 WWF. It is fantastic. But yeah, look, if you'd like to catch up on any of the other uh, podcasts that we have done from from King of the Ring and Bash of the Beach 1996 up until the present day, present day being 1998, make sure you head to greywolfentertainment.net, greywolf ENT on all the socials. For Simon Tackler and Owen Jones, I've been Nims Azor. This has been Reliving the War, and we will catch you next time at SummerSlam 98. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.